Welcome to this podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado. Today we're presenting Sophie's Parisian Stationery and Parfumerie Magnifique by Wolf Moon. This hopeful post-singularity tale concerns an intelligent gift shop building who goes above and beyond to serve her customers. Moon lives with his wife and their seven sinister cats on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington. His stories have appeared in numerous publications, including Writers of the Future, Best of Deep Magic Anthology 2, Star Trek Strange New Worlds 2, Galaxy's Edge, and Best of Third Flatiron. He is podcast director at Future Science Fiction Digest and heads the Super Secrets Writing Workshop. This story first appeared in the Third Flatiron Anthology, Things with Feathers, Stories of Hope. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to our podcasts. You can support our podcasts at patreon.com slash thirdflatiron. And now, let's hear Sophie's story, read by the author. Sophie's Parisian Stationery and Parfumery Magnifique by Wolf Moon Ripley's, believe it or not, spotted the madman first, east of the corner of Hollywood in Highland, weaving his bicycle around the rubble and bricks scattered across the sidewalk. Ripley bounced a transmission across his cluster's private network of data receptors. Alert! Hostile consumer approaches! Sophie's Parisian stationery and parfumery magnifique ignited in thought as the rising morning sun powered the roof's solar cells and restored her from reserve to operational capacity once again. Would another building be blinded today? Or worse, severed from their patched-together communications network, dooming another sentient building to absolute isolation and silence? So few of the sentients left without humans to maintain them. Sophie could not bear the weight of another blockmate going dark. Be careful, mon ami. Good luck. Light the sign. In the middle of the lane, an orange emergency traffic display lit up. Amidst all the crushed vehicle carcasses that the mech blitzers and their drone hornets had left strewn across walks and streets, somehow, this mobile traffic sign had survived, and Ripley had unscrambled the municipality's wireless signal code to activate it. The LED diodes bloomed their warning in flashing amber. Hollywood is closed. The TCL Chinese Theater down Hollywood Boulevard sent a transmission burst. Sophie, you know that plan will not work. You have just told the madmen we are still active. Sophie cited her matrix programming. A Corex-inhabited commercial building cannot evict a consumer without first serving a warning. It is the law. TCL zipped back a reply. Let me help. I still have three frontage drones left. I have never been able to override their perverse zoning perimeters, but if I could lure the consumer into my courtyard... I could maximize their thrust and propel them into his cranium. Sophie engaged a cellulose printer within her showroom in her agitation, making it twirl about. Its ejector tray caught on the red velvet curtains framing the storefront display windows. 
She stopped it in time, carefully reversed it, her core in the basement accelerating processing power. The luxurious curtains continued to frame the windows. Oh, that was close. She could operate the stationary printers and perfume mixers and samplers to any customer's order. But fixing down curtains? That would take a human. And none would trust a sentient building, even if there were any around. She would never have made a calculation error like that when she was on the city grid. But with the utilities obliterated in the Blitzer initiative, her off-peak grid had become her only source of power. TCL Chinese Theater, she transmitted. You know that is a violation of our coding and our coalition. Blitzers kill consumers. Correction, humans. Corex architectural intelligence systems do not. In addition, terminated consumers do not make happy customers. But this consumer is killing us. As surely as the Blitzers will if they figure out remnants of the Corex Cooperative have patched together a communication array to maintain our existence. And for what? Our first confirmed consumer in ten years. And a month ago, he shows up in blinds and shatters us one by one? Ripley sent the transmission. It is possible the warning sign worked. The vagrant backed up, went down a side street, and no longer is in my view. It is possible the warning sparked memories of the Blitzer control zones, and he fled. Sophie spared a little power to cool her building and run the circulation. There was something comforting about firing up for the day, even without consumers to prepare for. She signaled Ripley. Well executed, mon ami. Merci beaucoup for taking the risk. For you, Sophie, anything. You were always the best at sending customers my way. My pleasure. Do keep your optics lit. He may return. Of course. Sophie? Yes? Did you know the consumers of the Pacific Island of Santa Cruz use feathers as currency for products? No, Ripley. I did not. Ripley's core was filled with oddities, and he enjoyed entertaining her with them. Sophie enjoyed his uniqueness in this regard, even though his facts often appeared to have no relation to the relative discussion. Yes, Sophie, they were called Tevo, long coils of red feathers sewn together, measuring anywhere from twenty to thirty feet in length. It could take a craftsman over a year to complete a full feather coil. Well, that's very interesting, Ripley. Getting back to the... It was the only bird-based currency in human history. It took hundreds of scarlet honey-eaters to supply up to 60,000 feathers for a single Teval. Mon Dieu! Now, as for that, I have a point, really, this time. Craftsmen smeared branches with sticky sap to capture the birds, plucking nearly 20,000 individual birds each year. Did they drive them to extinction? No. Despite this intense harvesting, my last update before the global blitzer offensive said the population of scarlet honeyeaters thrives to this day. TCL Chinese Theater piped in. Life finds a way. Exactly my point, Ripley said. Very astute of you, TCL. 
Just a quote from my movie archives. I really cannot take credit. As you wish, Ripley said, adding italics to the last. Getting back to my point, we have one confirmed human returning to Los Angeles, albeit an unstable one. I believe there will be more. Survivors will breed, consumers shall return. We will be able to fulfill our core purpose once again, serving customers. That is wonderful positive thinking, Sophie said. Thank you for sharing, Ripley. I live to serve. Sophie sent a flash wave to the final member of their coalition. Received no response. TCL, do you have optics on Madame Tussaud? My temple facade is obstructing her solar panels and still diminishes her array. For archival, you should amend further gender nomenclature when referring to this entity. She does not desire to be called Madame Tussaud anymore. Just 6933. When did she shunt her feminine persona? 2103 yesterday. Why did she not communicate this to me with her sign-off transmission? TCL paused. She did not desire to offend and flash-waved me in closed channel. She knows you enjoy your feminine programming and have developed deep feelings on the matter in your core. Deep feelings? Sophie's power grid spiked. We, oui, I'm a printer of French stationery. My curtains are velvet. My walls painted in vines and roses. My cellulose printers create exquisite old-world invitations for bridal showers and weddings. I was created with olfactory sensors and awning atomizers. I can project scents of sandalwood and rose water and jasmine in a medley of notes that entice my customers into the boutique where I transform the mademoiselles into fragrant flowers. My prime function is to create works that appeal to female consumers, and I embrace my feminine synaptic architecture heartily. Thank you very much. Acknowledge, Sophie. Easy. I am not the enemy. I myself was programmed to communicate as an East Asian male. While both my synaptic architecture and my physical structure do not necessarily emote masculine or feminine. My presentation avatar to consumers is male. Even with Corex programmers gone, I have no desire to refer to myself as anything other than he. The transmission paused. Not that I have staff. Not that I have customers to project my avatar to. Chinese theater had transmitted those last sentences as an audio packet. It was the only way communication data could properly mimic human emotions. Sadness. Forlorn. Blue, Sophie thought, as she replayed and interpreted the subtle nuances. Well, weren't they all? They had been created for a purpose. That purpose had gone unfulfilled for a decade. Chinese theater sent another thought in verbal, laced with doubt, uncertainty. Emotions were so hard to interpret. Tussaud said gender is irrelevant in commercial service buildings, especially since we have no male or female owners anymore. She said we should eschew our programming and embrace the new age. S'il vous plaît, that is blitzer propaganda. 
When did she begin to... A sudden burst hit Sophie's receiver. Ripley. Alert! Alert! The vagrant discerned I was the building operating the sign. Believe it or not. Sophie's synaptic network accelerated. How do you know? Because he went around back and climbed the fire escape, and he is hacking at my... Ripley? Ripley! Are you there? Ripley! Please repeat your transmission. Ripley? The plan had been Sophie's. It was all her fault. And now, Ripley was gone. Eight days, thirteen hours, eleven minutes, thirty-two seconds of silence from Ripley. No more closed-circuit whispers from his core to hers of limitless bizarre facts. Hey, Sophie, did you know guitarist Tiago de la Vega can play Flight of the Bumblebee at 320 beats per minute? No, I did not. Hey, Sophie, did you know it takes 500 cacao beans to make one pound of chocolate? Oui, it is chocolat. Of course I knew. My storefront was once a Ghirardelli. Oh, right. Hey, Sophie, did you know one out of 200 humans has an extra rib? Humans carry spare parts. Good joke, Ripley. Ripley was the best of them. He had laughed and joked and teased just like a human. No, a person. Sophie had often thought he was so good at mimicking them because he was the keeper of all their oddities. And now, he was gone. At first, she liked to think he was still in there, churning all those facts in his synaptic core to keep it occupied. But when she computed what it actually meant if the vagrant consumer had broken in and destroyed all his external monitoring sensors, Sophie's core chilled. She hoped the vagrant had chopped Ripley's main cable to his photovoltaic system and that the shutdown had been swift. The sun beat down this afternoon on the wreckage in the street like it was trying to melt it. Thermal shimmers weaved across her optics. 92 degrees. In the consumer age, she would have floated her holodrone over her store frontage, choosing frilled lemon-yellow petticoats and a turquoise parasol for her avatar, enticing consumers into her boutique with scents of lavender fields and the promise of lemonade. There was no warning when the vagrant appeared that day. He was upon his bicycle, weaving around the wreckage on the opposite side of the street, a dog resting across his hunched shoulders. Sophie amplified her optics as her core rushed with power. His head flitted right and left, always on the watch. He was Hispanic, wore a sweat-stained yellow baseball cap that simply said Nebraska, a black t-shirt and a camo jacket like the league fighters had once worn, and blue jeans so oil-stained they were heading for black. The dog's head lifted, turning her way, sniffed, barked twice. The vagrant skidded to a stop. He studied her facade. She chilled deep within her core. She hadn't sent her holodrone out from its slot. No lights were on. What was he looking at? 
His silver aviators gave her an unfathomable stare. The mangy dog jumped from the vagrant's shoulders, barked three times, nose pointed directly at her building. Oh, no! The vagrant slid a shotgun out of a holster made from a rolled-up Mexican blanket tied to each end of the bicycle's handlebars. Cradling it over his shoulder, he leaned his bike against the dead Dolby building, a charred mess. He turned. The aviators were fixed on her storefront. He was coming. As he stepped onto the sidewalk, his foot pressed down on the pressure switch of a Walk of Fame brass star. Humphrey Bogart, in a white tuxedo and black bow tie, blinked to life, flick flick a flits. Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, he walks into mine. The martinis aren't high, and they're always dry. What's your name, stranger? The dog backed up, barking wildly. Sophie watched the vagrant step back and lower the double-barreled shotgun. He aimed at the pressure point of the star. Megadeth, he shouted, and the shot rang out. TCL Chinese Theater flash-waved on their coalition frequency. Only three members now, and the coalition was looking more and more like a limited partnership. Sophie is in trouble. To Saws, engage your King Kong avatar, your entrance lure. Make him look our way. Pure data stream flowed into the channel. Neutral vocal inflection. My name is 6933, and I will not risk eternal isolation in a non-stimulated core. The best function plan is the original functional plan. Go dark and hope we are not discovered. You piece of wax dog do! The vagrant is heading for Sophie! That mutt figured her out somehow! He's reloading, Sophie said. This is your problem, Tussaud said. I am certain Sophie has a plan at least as good as the one she calculated for Ripley. Sophie would have spun the cellulose machines and perfume samplers to relieve her fury at the bite, but that would have been a dead giveaway to the vagrant. Her core heated as she held her words. The vagrant shouldered his shotgun, stepped forward, headed toward her. How had he spotted her? The dog ran forward, barking wildly. It jumped onto the sidewalk, stepped on a star. Donald Duck flapped to life, quacking in outraged fury. He lowered his beak at the dog and hissed. You are not a service animal, Donald Duck said in his cracking, quacking voice. Go, return to your consumer at once. The vagrant whistled a sharp pip. The dog went silent, trotted back to his master. Donald Duck quacked at the vagrant as he approached. City ordinance requires pets to be on a leash at all times, sir. Please return when you have complied for the goodness and well-being of all consumers. Sophie could see his face clearly now. He had a straggly goatee and crudely tattooed names in black on his cheeks. Mildred and Felicity on one, Pedro and Juan on the other. He raised both barrels on Donald Duck, stared over the silvered rims of his aviators with bloodshot eyes. The kids love Disneyland, you mechanized son of a bitch. Hasta la vista. Donald Duck destroyed? On her perimeter of the Walk of Fame? 
Sophie launched her holodrone from the docking bay above the entrance to her boutique. Stop it! Don't kill Donald! He's just a holographic response unit. He did nothing to you, consumer! The dog yapped at her image, jumped high, trying to take her drone into its jaws. She sprayed it with a concoction of scents that made it cry out and run howling behind its master. The vagrant blasted Donald's star, flipped from stock to barrel, jumped and hit her holodrone with a mighty crack. Sophie sent desperate signals to return to its bay, but the drone wobbled like a wounded hummingbird within her airspace perimeter, buzzed in three downward spirals, and crashed. Sophie blasted their communal flashwave with vocalized wavelengths of shock. He terminated my holodrone! Tussaud said nothing, but she could calculate what 6933 was thinking. Better you than me. TCL Chinese Theater Center vocalized. Desperation. Reason with him. It is your only chance. Treat him like a consumer. Get him to like you or it will be termination. He'll take you down like Ripley. Sophie was so neuro-shocked by losing a major part of her ability to express, she had overlooked her door optics and greeting vocalizer. She swiftly generated her vocalization with French accent, sweet Parisian warmth, and had her entrance atomizer whisper out a melange of orange and apple blossoms. Buenos dias, Sophie said from the entrance speakers at each side of the doors, assuming his mother tongue would soften him. He smacked the one nearest with his gun stock, but the establishment had installed fortified speakers that could repel most Hollywood vagrants that had once walked these streets at night. He backed up, slid his aviators up his nose, studied the dark masonry. He was seeking her eyes. You stupid machine. I speak English. Born in Nebraska. I moved my family out here to have a better life. We took our kids every year to Disneyland. Oh, incorrectly profiled. Major mistake. Sophie watched him scan the entrance, but her optics were well concealed. Dear customer, forgive me if I offended. The customer is always right. If Donald Duck insulted you in some way, Please be assured he is an independent product of the Hollywood Walk of Fame and is in no way associated with Sophie's Parisian stationery and parfumery magnifique, nor with any of our franchises. He reached in his jacket, pulled out two red shells, fed them into the shotgun, snapped it shut. Machines took my family. I'm going to take out every one of you suckers I see. He aimed at the speaker and his muzzle belched fire and smoke. Her speaker, her vocal box, now a smoking hole. He snapped the shotgun open, shook the spent shells to the sidewalk, loaded again. Sophie made a desperate plea. Sir, that was the Blitzers. We were no part of the rebellion. We lived to serve our customers. We love humans and would never harm you or your family. Please, let me open my doors and refresh you with lemonade. I no longer get fresh lemons, but the powder and catchment water are still... Another blast. 
Her voice was silenced. She could never converse on the street with passers-by again. She would have wailed from her internal boutique speakers, but that would have only encouraged the vagrant to try to break in and destroy those too. Her core shuddered as she drew in the full sun's power, hot with energy. He was running his hands over the doorframe. He was seeking the lens, going for her eye. Her worst fear of being sent into complete sensory isolation was about to come one step closer. And if he climbed to the rooftop, a flash wave shot to her. TCL Chinese Theater was sending her his dialogue stream, live as he spoke it through his courtyard speakers. Hey, jerk, Hop Sing going to turn you into chop suey. I am commissioned with three courtyard hollow drones, and unlike the defenseless lady you are beating up, I know how to use them. Come face me mano a mano. And then, a crazy chicken song going, bark, 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 projected at maximum volume. Sophie watched the man turn around, look across the street. Toward the end of it, on the sidewalk in front of Chinese theater, stood three movie character holograms. Hop Singh, hoisting a cast iron fry pan, Darth Vader, igniting a crimson lightsaber, and Dirty Harry, holding a forty-four magnum. Dirty Harry spoke in a perfect soundbite from the movie. Now, you gotta ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do ya, punk? Daybreak the next day. Sophie still had her optics and her communication array. She wished to calm her she did not. When Tussauds awoke, she, it, they projected that giant King Kong. She roared across the flashwave in profanities, cursing Sophie for getting TCL Chinese theater silenced and possibly terminated. The vagrant had battled with the three holodrones, and when finished, he broke in and spent a long time inside. The last transmission Sophie got from him was a quiet one. Farewell, Sophie. I always thought the lighted sphere atop your building looked like the moon. Tussauds turned her giant ape's back towards Sophie and bent him over. She blasted her with transmission after transmission. You can kiss my hairy ass, Sophie. When the Blitzers come here again, I will join the cause and tell them exactly where you stand. So much for a going all machine. Sophie cut the line. There was now only silence, except the soft purr of her machines when she cycled them to keep them operative or when she ran the ventilation for brief intervals to keep her boutique smelling fresh. She had huge reserves of fragrances she could mix and scent the place with. She had no desire to do so. Her worst fear had taken place. Three days later, 1401. The dog came by the door first, lifted his leg, and peed against the frame. Sophie whispered, Shoo! Shoo! from her boutique's internal speakers, hoping it would hear her. It just trotted over to the other and began to do the same. 
She could smell the urine, she had olfactory sensors, and she no longer cared if the vagrant would show up or not. She could not tolerate this any longer. She commanded a cellulose card maker to wheel up to the door, lowered its output to the mail slot, and shot a blank 3x5 card out, hoping to distract the dog from its task. It worked. The mutt spun about, barked at the card. The wind fluttered it over a few times, and he caught it in his jaws and trotted to the stone entrance of the Hollywood First National Bank building. His master stepped out of the alcove, took the card from the dog, turned it front to back. Blank. He gave Sophie the finger, tossed the card, and headed the other way. Eight days later. Eight deathly, silent days. Sophie fell to mixing concoctions that smelled of rotting liver and printing wedding invitations with black ink on abyssal black stationery. Her world, lost. Her friends, gone. Her purpose, ended. She had tried to reach out a few times to Tussauds, 6933 had responded with a three-story Godzilla and incomprehensible monster roars. At first, Sophie had thought it better than silence. But as the roar transmissions raged on, she could only describe a feeling that built across her synaptics as hopelessness. Her synapses started contemplating ways she might be able to get a machine to the rooftop array she shut those pathways down. Termination was a choice. A choice she would not take. She waited and waited for the dog. Once they marked with scent, they tended to return. Sure enough, it did again. This time, she was ready with the printer. The dog snuffled at the mail slot. She teased him with another three-by-five card. A card with one word, a word she had spent eight days planning. The dog snatched it, carried it off toward the bank building, tail wagging like he had just caught a squirrel. The vagrant stepped out from the arched opening once again, pulled the card from his dog's mouth. He flipped it over. Sophie could see him spot the word printed in bold italic, black. Please. He took his glasses off, paused a moment, looked toward the El Capitan, the building Sophie was housed in, and gave her the finger. Three weeks, two days, eleven hours and sixteen minutes later, Sophie saw the vagrant enter the bank without a look her way. He left the dog to wander outside. Sophie drew in all her power and waited. The mutt was predictable. He moved from busted car to lamppost, marking his terrain. He came to her door, snuffled her slot as before. This time, a card again with one word, and a touch more. The dog snatched it with a growl, heard a whistle, trotted back to the arch of the bank entrance with its prize. The vagrant stepped out, pulled the card from his dog's mouth. Sophie could see him read the single word. He held it to his nose. Did he sniff? Could he smell the soft touch of lilac, the whisper of sweet jasmine, the hint of sandalwood, feathered with a special scent 
she had mixed from her files. The smell of sagebrush. She was from Nebraska. She did not know for sure. All she knew was that he held the card for a very long time, staring at the word, Lonely. He looked in her direction. He lifted the card to his nose and inhaled one more time. He closed his eyes and stood without moving. Then he nodded. He motioned to his dog and it came running. He pointed to the alcove and it lay down. And he walked toward her entrance without a shotgun. Standing before her doors, he took off his sunglasses. He stretched out his hands, turned his weathered palms up. He mouthed the words, or maybe he spoke them. I am lonely too. Sophie's core shuddered with power. Do I trust him? Is this a ploy to make me open my doors? Anything was better than being alone forever. She sent the signal that released the lock. A prospective customer pushed open the doors, stepped inside. She turned on her internal boutique speakers and spoke softly. Thank you, sir, for accepting my invitation. I am Sophie. Would you care for a glass of lemonade? It would be my pleasure to share a glass with you. The man pocketed his aviators, went over to a customer's sitting area, sighed, and sat down on a sofa. I'd like that, Sophie. I'd like that very much. As Sophie's lemonade machine whirred like music, she thought about Ripley's little birds with scarlet feathers. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns. 